Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. X-Pac 12360, featuring weekly news, insider commentary, and interviews with superstars, past and present from the world of pro wrestling. A new day is dawning for DX. And now, your host, Sean X-Pac Wolfman. Welcome to X-Pac 12360, everyone. Another week. Anyways, Christy. Tell them what's going on. Hey, Xbox <laughs> 12360 fans. It is another week. We're coming at you with another fantastic show. We're going to be breaking down the latest headlines, remembering a couple of legends, and we do have one very special guest in studio today. How are you doing, Jimbo Frank? Fantastic. Ready to start the show. Let's do it. Hello, Denise. Hello. I'm very excited, especially to get our, with our guest today. And here he is. Let me tell you, this guy, well, he may be the lead singer of hardcore heavy metal band God's Hate, but you also know him as an indie star. He made his debut in 2015 and has created a reputation as a brawler taking on the name Bruiser Brody. You've seen him in PWG, Progress, and more. And in August of this year, he defeated ACH to become the AAW Heavyweight Champion. Please welcome Brody King. All right. Hello. Hey, what was that about Bruiser Brody? I, I barely I took on that name. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the internet, Brody. Stands forever. Well, you probably get that all the time, right? Oh yeah. Like, oh, oh. That, and like when um, announcers are, they'll be on commentary, be like, "Oh, and Brody Lee." I'm like, uh, "It's Brody." Brody King, Lee. <laughs> Who is Brody Lee? Oh, bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Brody. yeah of course. Brody Duh. Lee, yeah. I had a brain. Fr- I recommended that. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Did oh, you right. back at the? Back in like the performance center days, kind yeah, of. Yeah, I used to run in, not, not go off on another road here, but I ran into him on you know independent shows up in the Northeast, and you know, guy was great. He's really Anyways, good. Yeah, yeah. And so are you. Thanks. Glad to have you here, man. I'm glad to be here. I was a, like, we're gonna get into some other things, and and you know, in a little bit, but I just. The first time I saw you was at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Yep. And I immediately was like, what are you doing? Like, how come you're not pushing this guy more? Yeah, I was probably sitting in the back eating pizza or something. Yeah, but you had these (laughs) crazy-ass trunks on. I'm like, dude, like, your your crazy trunks are all over your body already, man. You just need black trunks. Can I I do my impression? Yeah. Uh, Because (laughs) I I, I know exactly what you said, and I'll never forget it. You can't be like, hey, man, you know... The stuff in the ring was really good, but you got that ugly ass gear on. I was like, oh, "Okay, Mister Xbox, sir." And you're like, "Just get some black gear, and you'll be fine." And yeah, yeah, I think I got like three pairs of black trunks, and I've never gone back. So right on. Uh, yeah, I'm I'll, glad I'll, I could help. I'll hold, I'll hold that forever. And you've got something to help our listeners, yeah. isn't that right, Sean? Yeah. Hey, by the way, and since like a lot of people like. That know you already know you're a straight edge guy, mm-hmm. but does that like does that include like you know helping the bedroom? Uh, like, like <laughs> have you ever heard of blue chew? No. Yeah. Well, deep. blue. Hey guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds. 
Go to bluechew.com. I always do. I do I do these <laughs> a lot. Because I'm a big fan of Blue Chew. They send me Extra rounds is stuff. impressive. Yes. Extra rounds and, you know, anyways. So bluechew.com <laughs> has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. Check this out. They've got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So they work. Since they're chewable, they'll work faster than a pill. So Brody, that's what I was going to say. Does straight edge mean no, like... Bluetooth style help? Uh, I I don't think that that'd be a problem. I mean, it's not a mind altering substance. Okay, uh, right on. So I mean, I don't recommend doing it before you get in like the ring because <laughs> no. we don't wear much. <laughs> that would take the attention away from your trunk. Sure would. Well, I mean, I just I like to tell everyone, you know, I, even if you like, because a lot of guys are like, oh, I don't need that shit, and it's like, yeah, but so what? Yeah, you know, if you can, if you can, you know. Be a little better in, in a bedroom for for your partner, you know. Like, why not? Yeah, you know. I mean, I don't understand what the big shame is in the you know uh, erectile dysfunction medication game. So, on, be, on behalf of all of our female listeners and all the women out there, thank you for that, Sean. Yeah, and like <laughs> and all the ladies out there listening, like you should encourage your man to go out and you know order some Blue Chew from BlueChew.com, and uh, you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And this stuff is cheaper than the other two. So this is a no-brainer. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line because Blue Chew ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's like why most guys don't do it. Because yeah. they don't want to go to the doctor and be like, hey, man, my piece isn't working. Right. How can you help me out? Yeah, I mean, there <laughs> is like it is embarrassing you know, for a lot of people. Uh, and, and hey, like, for all the guys out there that are thinking to themselves, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not in a relationship right now. I'm not having sex, but I'm pretty sure even if you're not having sex with others, you're still probably dating yourself. Yeah, you need you that know? couple extra rounds. Yes, and you know, I mean, treat yourself. I love that. It's treat the yourself, people. Yes, even if it's just you uh, and you know uh, your laptop and light a couple candles. Yeah, yeah. And, a, and a hot towel and whatever your favorite, you Massage know, oil. yeah. Um, I don't know. Add some Bluetooth to the mech from Bluetooth.com. And, you know, if you go, uh, oh, it's a great deal for you guys right now. Bluetooth.com. Get your first order free when you use promo code XPOC. They're giving it away. Basically. You just pay $5 shipping. That's nothing. That's it. Again, that's Bluetooth.com. Promo code XPOC. Bluetooth.com. Promo code XPOC. And if you... If you go and you do that and you send Jimbo the proof of purchase, we send you something signed for free. Yeah. Maybe send Jimbo a couple blue shoes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can use them. Shannon wouldn't mind. Yeah. I was going to say, like, yeah, I've never asked you. Why? I don't know. I have a hard time imagining you having sex, Jimbo. <laughs> <laughs> I, do I don't look right. at you that way. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. All right. That's not what I meant. We had to mean it that way. <laughs> I know you have some. Hey, Jimbo. I look at you that way, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, buddy. Uh, okay. All right. That's enough one, of that. One kind of stamina to maybe the stamina of those who are taking in Monday Night Raw every week. I uh, had a great show this week where they admittedly kind of said, hey, you know, maybe we're not uh, doing our best these days. As when Seth Rollins came out, he called out the GM Baron Corbin and was like, you are why Raw sucks. 
they tried to spice it up a little yeah. bit. We had um, a championship match in yes. which Bobby Roode and Chad Gable walked away the brand new Monday Night Tag Team Champions. Yes. What did you make of all this, Sean? Well, I saw the finish, right? He did the old layback on him and he did the crucifix. That was a finish I used to use with Terry Taylor every night. Oh, and I beat Ted, Ted DiBiase with that. That was, anyways, old. Works every time. Just so, a couple nobodies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I interesting, you know mm-hmm. that they're they're doing that. But I mean, like, what is the? I, I don't I don't know like where they're going with it. Are they trying to say, hey, yeah, we know this is what's going on and t- too damn bad? I mean, I don't know what. What's the? Do you think they needed to acknowledge and sort of address that everyone's been saying that Ross sucks lately? Mm, only if they're gonna do something to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what a lot of people were saying on the internet. They were like, "Okay, this is something that WCW yeah. used to do, yeah. and now they're doing it on here." And you know, it's not the greatest yes. idea considering that people are like, "Okay, well, yes. is something gonna happen? Is something gonna change?" And then it doesn't. So it's like, well, you gotta understand that you know a lot of times. You have people working their ass off to try to make something happen, and then somebody else comes along and goes, nope, I don't like that, nope, I don't like that, nope, that. Time to rewrite the whole goddamn thing. I mean, it's... It's tough. It's tough, and, and, and you know, like... I just I feel bad for, for people that are working on that show, the writers, everyone involved. You know the talent, and you know because that's they're not uh, putting in any less work. Exactly. As a matter of fact, they're going out there and putting in more. Like, and they're they're they're, um, you know, like I remember like a couple weeks ago, I commented, you know, well, you can always count on uh, uh, Ziggler and, and Seth going out there, and they always do. Yeah. <laughs> it was like what the third time in a, in a month, I think they had a singles match. Anyways, so yeah, I just. You know, hopefully they come out, you know, uh, hopefully this thing, the, the slump is, uh, you know, short-lived. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Next. <laughs> any, any comment? No, I, I don't, I'm not really familiar with right. the product right now. I don't have yeah. time to watch that much of it. But like you said, I mean, when there's like that, that match where everyone's like, holy cow, like, you know, this these two guys tore it down. I'll try to check it out. And it's usually like a Dolph sure. match or, or a Rollins match or yep. the both of them together. Yep. So I, you know, there's just and there's I don't know. There's just so much, so much talent there, and there's so many things you can do. And or do you or, think it's also part of like they're trying so hard to be relevant that they're doing a worse job at it? Because I mean, you know, like when you just try super hard to be over and then it just not working, yeah. just kind of like reeks and of then, desperation. And then and then just some of the line, like some of the dialogue that I'm seeing, and it's just like there's there's these attempts at humor, you yeah. know. But then it seems and, like when they just kind of let the guys go out there and just do what got them hired, that like creates a different kind of magic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's not it's not how they want it to work. That, that unfortunately. That's right. And in some um, unfortunate, some sad news this week, we actually lost two wrestling legends last week. Let's start off with Dynamite Kid. You all know him as one half of the legendary WWE tag team, the British Bulldogs. Passed away last week on his 60th birthday. He, of course, made a name for himself first at Stu Hart Stampede Wrestling, and then in the early 80s went on to compete for New Japan Pro Wrestling. But um, that four-year run alongside Davey Boy Smith as the British Bulldogs was where he would hold the WWF Tag Team Champion 
championship. And um, while his career dwindled down in the mid-90s, he ended up losing his left leg and would suffer a stroke in 2013. And mm. uh, we've now lost the dynamite kid, yeah. Sean. Uh, one of the greatest of all time. I, okay, Bret Hart, I used to, when I used to travel at Bret, uh, you know, and, and we had a lot of great conversations, Brett and I. And I never knew Dynamite. I knew Davey pretty well, really well, actually. Uh, but Dynamite, you know, obviously by the time I came around, Dynamite was, you know, pretty crippled up and not doing anything. But, uh, you know, we, a lot of people know, like, the stuff about Dynamite, and there are some stories, you know, and we won't go into, you know, everyone has some. Dark uh, his, his per personal life was yeah. fraught with danger and controversy. Yeah, right here. yeah, but I mean, I just have to. I I, I just want to uh, focus on on the, the things he contributed to our industry and uh, and the fact that uh, he was a huge, huge influence on on my career. Like um, as a smaller guy, you know, that's how you have to be. Like in in that time, and then when, and when I was coming up, like everything you did, like to make up for the lack of size, had to be explosive, like him. And there was nobody more explosive than the Dynamite Kid. He looked massive, you know, like on TV, yeah, or right, like on video. He yeah. was a big guy, but like not in that time. And those matches he had with like Tiger Mask and stuff were legendary. Yeah, man. Like I, and those were the early like. Um, when I was a kid and when I was coming up, like tape trading was a big thing. Like yeah. you got, you know, people would send VHS tapes and, you know, there would be hours of stuff and you'd have like a list of everything that was on the tape. And, you know, now you can just go and fast forward right to whatever you want. And like, it was, I don't know, it was a, it was a simpler time. <laughs> <laughs> was it? But obviously it was like probably a lot harder for you guys to get the content, right? Oh, I yeah, mean, man. And then when you got it, like you would dub it and send it to someone else. So by the, the time, <laughs> yeah, so by the time maybe you got a copy of something, like you could barely see it, right? <laughs> the, the, the quality was so shitty. But anyways, um, yeah, no, uh, those were um, such incredibly important matches, those early Dynamite. Like, okay, so, um, you know, when they decided to do Tiger Mask, when New Japan did, you know, and they decided they were going to pick Sayama, um, and they needed, you know, somebody, you know, for, for him to, you know, debut against, mm -hmm. and, that, and they picked Dynamite, and Dynamite was so impressive. Like, they got each other over. Right. You know, um, they went out there, and, and, you know, obviously it was supposed to be to get Tiger Mask over, and it did, but, you know, he got himself over uh, at the same time, and just as a legend, and, and you know, I heard a lot of cool stories I, that Brett would tell me, you know, well, not all of them were that cool, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, just... You know, you know, Brett would say he was just the best, in his opinion, the best he'd ever seen, and uh, and um, and obviously my name, you know, I took my name was Lightning Kid, and it was pretty much a copy off of Dynamite Kid. I mean, it, it's impressive those guys that wrestled in like the yeah. '80s and '90s that it transcends any like era of wrestling. Like yeah. you could take a dynamite kid tiger mask match and if you put it in like pwg today it would be just as impressive and like hold up just as well That's in the car good yeah and like you know guys like hayabusa and like all that they were just doing these this stuff that was revolutionary and they i mean i'm sure if they were able to still do it today it would 
be just as impressive. Yeah. And Dynamite was a really tough guy, to, like all those guys. You know, he comes, uh, he came, he came in the Snake Pit, and, um, uh, and that's where you know uh, Carl Gotch, Billy Robinson. You know, going back to the old old days, there was a guy named Bert Assaretti that was. Anyways, I'm going off into the <laughs> into the deep weeds here. We don't need to. We could be here for um, hours. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say thank you, Dynamite Kid. And, Rest in peace, and um, uh, and you know, just send some love out to to everyone that loved him and his family, and uh, and I guess that's it. Yeah, well, it's it's nice to do that. And only one day after we lost the Dynamite Kid, Kurt Henning has passed. Um, I'm sorry, Larry Henning, the axe Larry Henning has passed. We all know him as uh, the father of Mr. Perfect and the grandfather of current WWE superstar Curtis Axel. But he started his training way back in 1956 under Vern Gagne. He competed in AWA and NWA throughout the 70s, 80s, and 70s and the 80s. Uh, he named his devastating elbow drop the axe. We all are familiar with that. And uh, even teamed with his son Kurt to feud with the Road Warriors in the 80s. They won the NWA Pacific Northwest Tag Team Championships as a father-son team. So our, our condolences go out to the whole family. Yeah, I. Um, a lot of people know that I was really close with with uh, Kurt, and um, you know, traveling down the road with Kurt, I got to hear all like no, okay, no one. I never met anyone uh, that loved their father and looked up to their father more than Kurt Hennig did Larry. The Axe. We didn't call him Larry. We called him the Axe. And um, what a cool name! Yeah, and he was the Axe <laughs> till the day he died. He was he was the Axe, and uh, that picture was from a few months ago, right there. That was at WrestleCon. No, th was that WrestleCon? Yeah, was I thought WrestleCon that was either year. WrestleCon or um, I was just up in Minnesota with with oh, Larry yeah, as well. Yeah, that was That was at WrestleCon. Okay, and uh, and so where, what was I saying? Oh shit. Um, well, he loved he it. He loved there. and admired his father. Yeah, and and um, and Larry, in turn, I, I've never met anyone that was more proud of their son than than he was of Kurt, and it was just so devastated. You know, every father is devastated when when they lose a child, but it was just even, times a hundred, times a hundred for for Larry, uh, and um, you know he Larry was. Um, I have a couple. I have one kind of cool story. <laughs> but, Do you tell? Yeah, but anyway. So Larry, Larry, he was a University of Minnesota guy, like uh, like Vern Gagne, and there was a bit of a rivalry there, and because uh, they were both also from Robbinsdale, and oh. yeah, and Kurt would always say that you know Vern was scared of scared of his father, and that his <laughs> father could beat up Vern, and he probably could. Jeez. Uh, uh, you were I think I'm just, story. you know, I was going to go through and talk about different things that Larry did. And, and I, I just, I don't think I could do nearly as good a job as, you know, uh, Dave Meltzer, you know, someone like that, that really deep dives and does some great stuff when it comes to bios on people. But yeah, I but got you, to you know. Knew, you knew the family personally, I do, which is yes, more valuable. Yes. And uh, the first time I met Larry was at Wally Carbo's funeral. And Wally Carbo, I, I, I was friends with Wally. He was an old. AWA promoter. Uh, anyway, so that's the first time I met Larry and, and his lovely wife, Irene. Um, anyways, the next time I met Larry, and I'd already been in WWE uh, with 
with Kurt, and so I was hanging out with Kurt a lot. We both lived in Minneapolis, and so uh, it was the first time that Kurt ever introduced me to the acts, and I was standing there with, with I was wearing shorts and he looked down at me and he goes did you just get your legs out of casts <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke meaning like you that I have time. really skinny legs <laughs> for those that that went over their head okay so yeah that was the, that was the first time I met the axe and and so I have another funny story and no one else is uh, uh, from the story is live anymore now that Larry's passed so no one can uh no one can dispute this. <laughs> no, no, it's just, I, I, I put a tweet out uh, the other night going, one day I'll tell the story about um, Arnold Skoll and Larry Hennig, and Kurt and I going over the border into Tijuana for a few hours. <laughs> And like you know, so people's heads are starting to turn. Oh, maybe they went to the donkey show or went to the what? You know that. That's my first thought. Or the you know like <laughs> the other. But no, all it was was like that was the last thing anybody had in mind. Like I just like I went down there and uh, and bought a bunch of pills, <laughs> <laughs> bunch That's of drugs. Uh, yeah. And uh, when we came back across. Um, uh, Larry, uh, Larry, and, and Arnold Skolan both like when when I was going through the line, they went and and went through the line the furthest away from me. They got as far away <laughs> from me as possible on the way back through. I could have told the story better, but uh, that's fine for now. It was you had to be there, and it was it was really really funny. So uh, I'm honored. I'm honored to have known Larry Henning, um, and I'm sending some love to. Uh, to the Henning family, to to Joe, to uh, um, his uncle Randy, Jess, um, his aunt Sue, and and uh, his grandmother Irene, and uh, sending y'all some love. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, a few more of the latest news headlines. Everyone is talking about this. Big Cass suffered a seizure during yeah. intermission at a House of Hardcore event last weekend in Philadelphia. He went down in front of fans. This was a scary scene. Apparently, people weren't sure if it was part of the show at first, but we now know it's confirmed he suffered a seizure. An ambulance was called, and he was taken to the hospital. Actually, after all this went down, and of course, this is at Tommy Dreamer's event, he spoke in the ring at the time and did clarify that this was not drug or alcohol related. And um, said later that uh, Big Cass is doing well. A little update on him. But yeah. I have to say, that's the first I've ever heard of any implication of Big Cass having a drug or alcohol problem. I've, there's never been any sort of even rumor or innuendo as far as I've heard about that. Sean, do you want to weigh in? Mm. Yeah, you just see things like that and, you you know... Um... I mean, they, they wouldn't they wouldn't have to clarify it's not if there wasn't a question as to whether that's a problem, right? Yeah, it's just. A, I just hope that I I, I want to see the guy do good. You know, mm -hmm. okay. <clears throat> well, regardless of what the problem is, if it is that, you know, I I, I just I saw him in Milwaukee a cup was it two weeks ago for uh, Blizzard Brawl, and you know, uh, a per, if if it is like a person like that like. You know, I mean, the way everyone knows that he left WWE and uh, and on that, like, a person can be kind of down on themselves, you know, and beat themselves up and, and punish themselves. Absolutely. So uh, if that's what's going on here, I just, uh, 
you know, I uh, hope the big man uh, realizes that, um, you know, okay, yeah, man, stop. it's time to stop beating yourself up, you know, punishment done, uh, you have a lot to offer, the industry, like, obviously, else you wouldn't have been pushed like you were, and uh, and you can get back up on that horse, uh, if that's what's going on here. I don't know. I'm just saying. There is a lot of mental stuff yeah, that goes man. along with that, too, and it, it, it does suck that, like, Drugs and alcohol is the first thing that people look yeah, exactly. at. Yeah, exactly. I also thought it sucked that while he's having a seizure on the ground, some fan or it's, somebody's yeah. filming it. It's like Instead of going over, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, you know, I've seen people take a bad bump and then have a seizure. Yes. My wife has epilepsy and yes. she's had a seizure in public. So it's like the first thing people are like, oh, drugs and alcohol. You're like, sure. I mean, and, and your like, brain does weird things sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, it could be stress. It could be a medical yeah. issue. So Yeah. My, 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 my late wife, she had a... She had seizures related to uh, a car accident and head head trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, it could be, it could be, you know, what people's, you know, the conclusion people jump to. That's a possibility. It could be head trauma. It could, he could, you know, and there could be a, a, a history of epilepsy. Yeah, we don't know. I I just uh, like the things I just said about him. Mm-hmm. I just want to double down on that. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Well, and, and another guy that you've rallied for in the past is Justin Credible, who has been arrested once again, this time for misdemeanor assault, violating a protection order and breach of peace. I know we don't want to uh, rehash this a whole lot, but, you know, this is a, a 45-year-old guy. He has reportedly walked away from going to WWE-sponsored rehab, and he's been filming a documentary about the struggles he's been going through the yeah. last the last couple of years in and out of jail and substance abuse. Do you have a message for him, Sean? I well, I don't know if he would get it, being that he's in jail right now. Uh, I just, you know, I try. I've been, you know, not like that. I had my own way of being all, you know, being down and and being, you know, in my version of hell. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so like, you know, my heart hurts for him, and and you know, and. Um, you know, I love the guy. You guys know that, you know, I really care a lot about him. And I just, uh, we try not to give up on me because, you know, um, people know, you know, when I was ready to fight, people were there for me, man, but he's got to do his part. You got to do your part. And, man, like, he just keeps, uh, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't even start talking about this, maybe, but I just... You know, I just hate seeing this because there's children involved and, and, you know, and there's this documentary being made and, and, you know, the documentary is the documentary Mm -hmm. and it's not a scripted, like, you don't get to write the finish of the document, you know, unless you actually, you know, we, we get to write our own story. But like that doesn't mean you get to tell the guy making the documentary how he's supposed to. Like it's going to be a happy yeah, ending. Yeah, he sees the story how he sees it, yeah. mm-hmm. or they, he or she, whoever's making it. Well, Justin's it. making it all himself. No, he's, he's not. He's not. When I talked to him at WrestleCon, he said he's filming it and doing it all. Himself. He's filming it. It's he's not making it. A guy named Ta- Tommy Danucci is making it. Okay. They're paying. It, it's just, anyways. He's just adding context to this. Yes. Okay. Yes. And. um you know, and you get, and as soon as you get out, or, or like, sometimes we need to stay the fuck off of Twitter. <laughs> Amen. Thought, yeah. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> God damn. So I just I, 
I love the guy. I, I hate seeing this. I just, I, and you know, this is the third time he's been arrested. Mm-hmm. You know, for the same thing, for violating protection order, all this stuff. He's he's going to jail. Mm-hmm. Like there, I don't like I have I work. You know, you guys know I work with the rehab center, and like that guy was ready to go pick him up, and he wouldn't go. It's like, oh, it's so fucking frustrating. But you know, I know, like, but I kind of get it too. Like, I mean, I, uh, all right, next. Well, it's, it's good for people to be reminded that he's a human yeah, being, and yeah. uh, and thank you for sharing your thoughts on that, Sean. Now, How I, do you like? I know you have to go through your share of shit. Oh yeah. You know, and as a straight edge guy, like, how do you medicate? Uh, there, you have, there has to be something. Professional yeah. wrestling and, okay. uh, and live music. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's always been my therapy, I guess. Like, yeah. I've always needed something physical to let it out. I mean, I've, I've had a long history of, like, anger issues and stuff yeah. like that. And, I mean, my wife would always be like, you got to go to a show or something. Like when, But before I started wrestling, she's like, yeah. you got to go. Like, if I was going... I was going two or three times a week. Yeah, and then w- when there would be a po- uh, like a break, I would just be unbearable at points. And then the same with wrestling. It's like when I broke my leg and I was at home, it'd just be yeah, I'm just a prick. But then uh-huh. it's like you know, I start to get it out, and then it's it's out of my yeah. head. Because you know, there's the thing called dry drunk. Have you ever heard of it? No. Yeah, it's like where somebody like okay, they quit doing the drugs and alcohol. But they're still a fucking asshole, <laughs> yeah, right? Because they haven't done all the other work that goes along with it, right? You know, yeah. I mean, like I, I, I always try to deny like going to like therapy or stuff because I don't know. In my own head, it didn't work. Ah, but okay. it, I mean, obviously, it does work something for a for lot you. of people. Some, yeah, but obviously, something works for me. I think I found it, and yeah, it's funny because people are like it's hard to believe that you have like. Anger issues and stuff, and it's like it is a little bit, man. Because yeah. I've not, I've not detected one one drop of that type of, you know. Uh, I would say that I mean, my life is probably as good as it could be yeah. at, the, at the moment. Seems and, uh, like it. Yeah. Shit. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I guess, I've always just had my own way of dealing with stuff, yeah. and I, I never even considered drugs or alcohol to be that like crutch. So. So have you ever, um, have you ever mood altered, ever? Yeah, I mean, like, when I was 16, I, like, got drunk a Drank couple a times. Couple beers I, or something. Yeah, I smoked weed a couple times, yeah. but it just, so you're, I never you liked know, it. So, so you know what it's like. Yeah, I know what it feels like, okay. yeah. I mean, yeah. I've been blackout drunk before, or whatever, gotcha. you know, like, where you wake up and you're just like, what the, what yeah. the hell happened to me? I, I don't know, it just, it just wasn't for me. Has there ever been, like, you know, any... Not to go off onto the drug and alcohol thing, but like it's interesting to me because and 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 I'm and I'm admiring the hell out of you for it. Uh, like, has there ever been times like you know like when you're going through shit where you go, uh, maybe uh, no, maybe a beer might seem like a good idea. Maybe a joint might be. I don't, I, I don't right know. Like, in my head, it's like. No, I'd rather right go get in a fight with somebody. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it, it, it's okay. like it's uh, it's equally as dangerous, you know. Yeah. I mean, like I've definitely been to that point where you're like looking for a fight instead yeah. of looking for drugs or alcohol. So I always tell people this, Brody, and because I I consider myself a pretty, and you know I've got some my own little issues. Like I fly off the handle here and there and, and that, but like I'm most mostly pretty calm and I don't get into fights, shit like that, and you know I. Uh, um, 
I always said that I was able to go out and in uh, my job and go out there and unleash everything, like all the aggression and all that. And even though it's a controlled situation, and you know, and uh, you know, the matches that we're not really, they're not real fight fights. I mean, yeah. it's still you're able to get that out in yeah. a safe, controlled environment. Uh, yeah, I still think I'm reserved, though. I mean, there's been there's been a few instances like at our school at the dojo where like we'll have someone that's, you know, not really respecting yeah. the dojo or my trainers as much as I would want to. And then it's like, I've snapped on them before. And like, then, you know, my trainer chaos be like, where's that guy at? Like, yeah. put him in the ring. I'm like, I can't control that person. Like that person does what they want. And then like, but I try, you know, I try to use a lot of that in the ring though. Yeah. It's definitely like, I don't know. Once I see that point, it's, there's no, coming back from that and yeah. I don't think that's a safe place to be in especially within the business but I mean you could definitely tap into that a little bit has it ever gotten to the point where like you know somebody pissed you off out there and it's got it's you know yeah my tag team edge. partner actually <laughs> oh yeah? <laughs> yeah yeah it was like one of my uh, I'd say it was one of my first five matches and like I don't know I blew a couple spots probably and like yeah. for, forgot some stuff and it, you know he was checking me a little bit, and I wasn't having it, and we started swinging. Or I started swinging on him, and he just kind of, like, put me in a headlock and, and wrenched me down. He's just like, calm down, calm down. And I was just like, who is this? Tyler? Tyler Bateman, yeah. Oh, shit. So, oh, okay. Yeah, the only person I've ever tried to, to fight in the ring was my tag team partner. Oh, that sounds yeah. great. <laughs> so he, he definitely, like, took the uh, the veteran approach and, and knew what was going on and calmed me down. But uh, yeah, that must have been an interesting scene <laughs> yeah. right in the middle of the match. Yeah, <laughs> it was funny. Were you guys wrestling Come against on. each other? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing oh, no, yeah, yeah. we, we weren't on the same side. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were we were against each other. Yeah. yeah, and it was just like he eventually was like, "All right, yeah. calm down." He's someone that's been wrestling what like 16 years. And yeah, was finally seven, starting to get years. eyes yeah. on him. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize like that's the same guy I used to see at New Japan Dojo. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, not the New Japan Dojo now, but the Ch- Santa Monica Ch- one. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, I don't know if he was ever there. No, yeah. No. What was? was no, I seen him at New Japan Dojo. Really? I don't. I don't no. know if he lived in California at the time. Yeah, I think he was still in Oklahoma back yeah. then. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, he was at Holly- Hollywood forever. Yeah. Oh, okay. You met him there a bunch. But he's been out here for a while. Anyways, this yeah. is about ten years. Brody King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it sounds like those guys just needed to take a break and take a nap. Oh yeah. And if they wanted to do that, you yeah, got like a they, place they could do that. Yeah, in? yeah. Especially if you take one on a purple mattress. Here's a question, everyone. How did you sleep last night? How'd you sleep last night, Christy? Actually, not bad. For yeah. Once. Did you Did you spend the night tossing and turning? Apparently not. <laughs> night before. Sleep is important. The quality of your sleep affects the quality of your daily life. If you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a purple mattress. Purple mattresses will feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses a brand new material developed by an actual rocket scientist. Not a fake one. (laughs) It's not like the memory foam you're used to. The purple mattress material feels very unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time. So it gives you comfort and support. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. That's very important. I don't like waking up in the middle of the night all overheated. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, and I, 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 yeah, I like my sheets to be nice and cool. Anyways, <laughs> so, yeah. 
Anyway, so it ends up giving you a zero gravity-like feel, so it works for any sleeping position. Going with purple gets you a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty. Gets free shipping, free returns, free in-home setup, and removal of your old mattress. You're going to love purple. Right now, our listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's on top of the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text XPOC to 474747. That's XPOC to 474747. The only way to get this free pillow is to text XPOC to 474747. That's XPOC. <laughs> X-P-A-C to 474747. Four seven four seven. Message and data rates may apply. Thanks again to our friends at Purple Mattresses. And if you buy a purple mattress, I'll send you something signed for free. Yeah, something good, huh? I'll, t- I'll tell you what, too. If you uh, combine that purple mattress with the blue chew, you got That's your combo there. <laughs> yeah, soft and hard at the same time. <laughs> There it is. There it is, guys. You're not going to get a better commercial than that. Yeah, so let's take a break right now. We'll be right back. (laughs) All right, we're back, and we have Brody King in studio, and we're talking about purple mattresses and blue chews and soft and and hard at the same time. (laughs) But, hey, so, uh, you know... um, there's been some news uh, about you, but it's not necessarily official, so we're not going to get, like, you know, I don't know if you can comment on any of that, but things are going well for you. We can just say that, right? Oh, yeah. Things are going very well. Yeah. And, like, professionally. Yep. And personally. Yep. Right on. Really? Uh, we're just going to leave it at that. Well, the rumors for everyone out there who may not know are that Brody has signed with Ring of Honor. Brody, what, what do you say? Uh, this is the first you're hearing of this? <laughs> When, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. All okay, right. we then. have we have a denial, folks, <laughs> an official denial. So, all right, uh, well, so, go ahead, Brody. One of the things that you were talking about earlier before we went on when went on the break was the New Japan Dojo. So, I wanted to know what has it been like for you training there, and what has been, I guess you can say, the most eye-opening thing. Well, I only got the opportunity to to train with Shibata uh, at the dojo when it was like first opening. So it was like what he was gonna use as like a curriculum for the camps that they started. And, but I mean like, just in that small time that I had with him, the amount of detail that he puts into like literally every movement is unreal. Like he had us going over the most basic of stuff, like lockups, headlocks, running the ropes. And it's like, I feel like a different wrestler coming out of it, like thinking about how to apply a headlock more like with his with his direction because it's like you know it's just the movements that people kind of just go through and he thinks about every little bit but once you put that all together you have a wrestler like Shibata who's just unlike anyone else and every little like like every like you're you're talking about the movements like you know people do the moves but it's the movements inside the move yeah it's like yes. you know the way that he leans on the person yes. but like and all the crispness and the and the explosiveness and the you know like and how to yeah. make it look stiff without 
killing your opponent yeah, and stuff and like that. not make it look like you're just going out there and, okay, I'm grabbing, you know, like, because it gets to, you. it's really easy to look, to start getting into a routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, oh, yeah. Brody? And, it, well, and, like, the way that he ran the ropes was the most, like, eye-opening, like, the way that he, like, jumps into it and, like, kind of, like, stomps and then lunges off of it. Because, you know, some guys, it'll look like they're just kind of, like, skipping Sure. while running the ropes. Yeah. And he's like, you know, it looks like he's trying to attack the rope and then yeah. attack his opponent. Like, yep. I don't know. It, it's very interesting to watch him work. Do, do you notice a big difference between your initial training and, and, and that type of training? Like, it, is, it, like, I mean, obviously there's similarities, but I just noticed like it's a, it's, it's this, I mean... I was going to say apples and oranges, but it's not. They're just two different kind of oranges. Yeah, I mean, like, at least, at least, at least where, where, where I train um, at Santino Brothers, yeah. they are very, um, per, like, they're very big on the basics. Yeah. Like, there's a whole beginner's training that's about, you know, three months long where you're just, you barely get into, like, a hip toss at the end of it but it's like within that you're like trying to make every movement count and you're trying to make everything look as real as possible yeah. or but i mean the way that shibata comes at it is like it's like going from you know high school to a master class in like college gotcha. it's like getting your phd mm-hmm. like he's it, it, the way he thinks about wrestling is unlike anyone else I think it's interesting that, you know, that the way that they're doing it and sort of one of the things that I was wondering was how they were going to sort of make it similar to what they're doing in Japan. So sort of like the, what they're doing here and what they're doing in Japan is still like a little bit different and how they're going to sort of merge that in. But I guess my question to you is now that you've experienced that training with them, do you think that because I, as a personal personal preference, love the idea of having guys start off, you know, without a gimmick, with only a f- basic set of moves, and then sort of growing into becoming the wrestler that they can become. So I want to know what are your thoughts on that specific way of coming about as a wrestler? Uh, I mean, like like I said, I, I only got to do a little bit with Shibata. I haven't been able to do a full camp, which I would definitely like to do in the coming year. But, I mean, these guys, they, you know, do... A thousand squats a day, and they do a thousand line push-ups a day, or whatever their their training regimen is. And it, I think it is really cool because there is a lot of guys. You know, they always say, "Take yourself and turn it up to ten. But sure. it's like if you're a boring person, then you're a boring. Person. Yeah, you're boring. At <laughs> so, I mean, crank like, up the boring a little bit. Not, not to say that these guys are boring at all, but that that teaches you a different uh, discipline and a different like yeah. mindset, like. Doing that much physical labor every day and like having you become just a wrestler and then having someone be like, All right, well, try this gimmick now. I don't think you would have guys like like Finn Balor if you didn't have that like discipline yeah. regimen. Like, and you know, even guys like Juice Robinson, like, you know, he did his thing at WWE and it wasn't working out for him. And he left and was like, Hey, I want to be part of the New Japan Dojo. It's like he probably could have just went. And did matches with New Japan, but he's like, I need to be. It gets you in a different mindset. mindset yeah, yeah. It, it changes you as a person. I, yeah. I, I truly believe that, and I think that what they're doing is awesome. And you know, obviously, I don't know firsthand. Like you'd have to ask the young lions here in LA themselves, but I think what they're doing is really cool. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Like you were, you were asking about or mentioning 
Denise, it's, it's not going to be, you know, exactly the same as how they do it in Japan. It's a totally different culture. So, I mean, but as as close as possible, as close as possible, I think it's, it's the best. Brody, I was talking, what I was trying, sometimes I have a hard time spitting things out. Um, what I was trying to get at a little bit ago was when, when we were talking about, like, the news story uh, that you were in, you know, about you mm-hmm. two weeks ago. Uh, I mentioned, you know, that you're a perfect size heavyweight. You're, you know, you're a big motherfucker. Right. Uh, but you're not, you know, so big that you can't work with a guy my size. Right. Or, you know, you may be a little bit smaller. Uh, yet you can work with anyone. You can yeah. work with any of the bigger heavyweight. Like, not that you're not a big heavyweight. That's how I'm trying to say. You know right. I'm getting that, yeah, right? Yeah, I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, it's ideal, man. Like, you can make money with a lot. It gives you way more possibilities for opponents. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I heard you mention that on uh, Twitter last week, I think it was. Yeah. And that that felt really cool because I think that there is, like, that threshold where, like, if you're too big, then it's, like, not believable mm-hmm. if you're working with, like, a cruiserweight or sure. lighter guy. But then, like, you know, if you're, like, six foot, then you're kind of stuck in the middle. Yeah. So I, I do like that I can have a match that's fast-paced and maybe, like, show off someone's high-flying ability, but then also go in the match or go in the ring with, like, Walter and yeah. slug it out. Yeah, and also you also sell, and, you know, you, you've uh, – a lot of the big, a lot of bigger guys, they get in their heads that, okay, I shouldn't sell or I shouldn't do this for certain people. But, like, when you do that, it, like, like I said, it gets people used to you being able to, you know, be vulnerable. Yeah, and, and I think, like, a lot of guys – well, I don't know about a lot of guys – at least from my personal experience, uh, some people have never been punched in the face before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and, you, and, that's crazy to me. <laughs> and that pro- someone in wrestling has never been punched in the face. Never used to be like that. And, and I promise you <laughs> that a, a, a little guy can hit you just as hard yeah. as a big guy can. So I don't mind, you know, selling a kick to the face. Sure. At, like, you know, like someone, like Andre the Giant kicked me in the head. Yeah. Because it, it sucks no matter what. Like, yeah. So. Hey, so are you, like... I see your style evolving a little bit. I see you out there trying different things and new things. I think I think it's pretty cool. Any stuff that you tried and wanted to do that you decided, eh, maybe that's not for me. Uh, I mean, when I first started wrestling, I say like my first year, I was like dead set on being like the biggest luchador I can be. Yeah. Uh, because I, I had like a very heavy like lucha based training at Santino Brothers. Yeah. Uh, Zokre and Phoenix Star, the lucha trainers there, and they're incredible. They're like old PWG guys that kind of like helped uh, define that style. Yeah. And they showed us how to, you know, put lucha and American psychology together. And I was actually able to do a lot of the stuff like moonsaults and sure. crazy rope tricks and stuff like that which now I understand that that's like if I'm doing that stuff in the opening spot then it doesn't translate as well as like if I'm like you know the the lariat you know yeah. pile driver guy but then like at the end of the match it's like holy shit he just did like a topic on healer like, yeah but okay I'm gonna tell you what's sticking out in my mind is the the, the little tribute to Owen Hart Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys got his arm, and he goes up to the ropes, and he hops up on that top rope, bounces his ass off, and does a backflip. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did you hip toss him out of that? Uh, I arm drag him both, oh, and then I dive yeah. over. Yeah, that's like that's like kind of like my go to when Is like, it? especially when people like, for instance, the last time I did that was at Limitless. I'm pretty sure that's the clip you saw. Yeah, but I've had probably 
five or six matches this year at Limitless, and most of the time I was like a heavyweight wrestler. Yeah. Like I was doing lariats and boots and pile drivers and power bombs. So that was like the first time they saw me do something like that, and everyone's like, "What the hell?" Like, yeah, he could do all that, and he could do that. So, and that's kind of where I've come with my style is like I like to keep that stuff a little bit more hidden. Yeah. Sometimes, depending on the match, like if I'm at PWG, it might be a little bit crazier, mm-hmm. but I like to to keep it a little more subtle and then like pull that stuff out at the end. Yeah. So when you go to different uh, any promotions, uh, I. Do you have to adjust? Like, do you notice the crowds are different at different ones? Oh yeah, like that they like different things. Yeah, I mean, we, I just experienced that on Saturday, yeah. like uh, in Chicago or in in Illinois. We, I work for a company called AAW. Yeah, and I've, I, I've been there. And uh, you know, they have their um, Bourbon Street shows, and they have their um, like their bigger Chicago shows are like very indie based and they're yes. very crazy but then they have LaSalle which is like two and a half hours yeah it used away. to be run by um, yeah Dream, Dream Dreamwave yeah. yeah so that crowd is very more like family like maybe like WWE based yeah. so they're not they buy the Gaga a little oh bit yeah more. they buy the yeah. Gaga way more so yeah. it's like we watched a six man tag with you know the Rascals in it and like AR Fox and they're doing like mind blowing stuff that the crowd just isn't quite getting yeah and like you know if this was at pwg it would blow the roof off and there it was like whoa that was cool but then like me and eddie kingston went out and eddie's like they don't want to see this shit let's just go fight so i was like then we just like started brawling and like fighting and hitting each other and like we brawled all around the building and then we went yeah. in the ring and started hitting each other with lariats and pile drivers and that's what like was that's what getting there huh? getting the fired up yeah, yeah and it, it's it's impressive you know Someone like Eddie, he can immediately read the crowd and and tell yeah. what what the difference is. But there's a there might be people that don't know uh, Eddie Kingston and and you know they should they should go out of their way to get to know him. He's, He's one of the excellent. best. Yeah. yeah, one of the best promos ever. Yeah, oh, yeah. well, because like that's really him. Yep. You know, and 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 just uh, I'm I'm a big fan of the guy. Me too. He you know he was actually a Chikar. Uh, like a big star in Chikara, and like if you really looked at Chikara and looked at him, it's like a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. Man. But somehow it worked. It's like a, a thug from Yonkers. Yeah. You New ever York. go to Chikara? Oh yeah. <laughs> How I, was it? I, oh, no, no, I haven't worked there. I've I've, oh. I've watched it. Oh, like okay. that was like one of the first indie promotions that like got me like to want to do stuff because gotcha. you know Claudio and Chris yeah, Hero, man. Chris Hero and uh, and Quack doing all the insane stuff, and watching Claudio and Chris was like. The reason I wanted to be a bigger, yeah. more athletic guy. Do you like working with smaller guys or guys your own size? Um, I mean, I, I usually have very different matches with both. Yeah. But I, I like them both in their in their own way. Uh-huh. I think I like uh, I like matches with bigger guys because I can sell more and like be a little bit more physical. Yeah. But like the stuff like basing for little guys is cool and like you know being able to like. Like if I have a match with like Eli Everfly, I can throw him from like corner to corner on the beal throw. Yeah. But if I'm with Walter, we're just gonna like slug it out. And I I don't know. I find both of them to be equally as fun. I don't know. You guys want to well, get on this? Uh, PWG was always like, no, nah, they don't book locals anymore. They don't book locals yeah. anymore. How did you get your foot in the door and kick it down for all the other locals that are working there now? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Um. You know, I'd heard like rumors that they were gonna start looking at 
local guys because I think the talent pool in Southern California has evolved so much since like the initial run of of guys in California and um I know guys like Rick Knox and Justin Borden they were they were pushing for me and there was a couple guys I think had mentioned my name but I I wasn't expecting it at all and it was I was a last minute replacement for Matt Seidel he got injured and I had actually just landed in Dayton. I had I was going to do Pro Wrestling Revolver with Sammy Callahan on Friday. And Rick Knox messaged me. He was just like, hey, check your email. And it was an email from Super Dragon. It was like, hey, can you do PWG on Friday? I was like, uh, yes. Yeah. So it was like, called Sammy. And Sammy's like, you better get back to California. So I, I literally got to Dave Chris's house and then immediately went back to the airport and flew home. So how did you feel after your first match at PWG? Uh, it was... Unreal. I got the debut in Reseda and, you know, got the Please Come Back chant. And it's like everything you'd want out of it. I mean, I was probably the most blown up I've ever been in my life. No, how could you not be? <laughs> I mean, it's like with all the excitement and nerves and also the match, like, quality, it, it was... I was really blown. And there's very little oxygen in that. In that very moment. little. And it's so hot. <laughs> well, after after a huge appearance like that, do you feel pressure to keep the momentum going? Or even now when people are talking about maybe you have a huge new step in your career, is, does the pressure get to you at all? Uh, no, but I'm definitely always thinking about like how I can up my game or do something different. And it's like sometimes what you're doing is, is good enough, but it's not. it's never good enough for me. Yeah. And I don't think it should be for anybody. Right. Like, everybody should be trying to step up to the next level. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like having these incremental, like, you know, like some people, you know, if, if it's important to have short-term goals that you that you achieve. Right. You know, you have the long-term one, but you have to have those short-term ones in there, too. And I'm not sure if that's how you did it. But yeah, well, unfortunately, my long-term goals came a lot faster than I thought they would. So <laughs> That's unfortunate. That's awesome. I, I, well, I mean, like, you know, God damn it. <laughs> It, it, for for me, I was like, you know, like, oh, someday I'm going to wrestle for PWG. And then it was just like three years into my career. It's yeah. like that takes guys eight to ten years sometimes. So mm -hmm. it was like it was really crazy. And, and I'm like, I guess I got to make Set more goals. Yeah. Any idea on how, how you uh, fast-tracked everything? Work hard. Yeah. I mean, Pretty good attitude, too. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I try to get along with almost anybody. Um, and I don't know. My work ethic is pretty good. Yeah. Like, I have a full-time job that I work Monday through Friday, and then I also train five days a week. So it's like my normal schedule, I'd get up at 5 a.m., yeah. uh, go to work until about 4, and then I'd go to training until 10, and then go to bed around 11.30. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I do that five days a week for a year and a half, and I don't know. It se seemed to pay off. I know it's so many people, most, that their whole goal is like, I like want to do this so I don't have to have my other job. And you're like, no, nah, I want to keep my other job. <laughs> I, like, well, you dig it, huh? I, I don't really like it. No, no well, but, what, but mean, you sure <laughs> like the, what comes along with it, I it, guess. It is, it is fun. Like, it is cool to see, like, for those who don't know, I do set lighting for movies and TV. And I've been a union member for 13 years. My dad... Not exactly your boring blue-collar factory well, job. Well, yeah. Right? My, my dad did it before me, and my grandfather did it before him. So, you know, I get to see cool movie sets or TV shows and meet actors or whatever. But I, it's not what I love to do. Yeah. But it is a very good living, and it, it you know, has afforded me a, a good lifestyle where I bought a house in yeah. Los Angeles, that type of thing. Yeah. But... 
you know, if the if I don't think I could sacrifice the life that I have right now to have like a starting rate at you know somewhere like WWE, yeah, where it's like fifty thousand dollars a year, yeah, it's like that would be a huge blow to me, sure, in my personal life. Yeah. So it's like the the stuff that I have coming up that I cannot confirm nor deny, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, I'm able to do my job part-time, which is, is like the best part-time job in the world. Because when you want work, you can look for it. When you don't, you don't look for it. And so I can do that, and I can do my wrestling career full-time. And that's a great thing to be able to have that choice because, I mean, usually it's like, okay, you want to do that. Because I know Kevin Nash, when, when he got into wrestling, he, you know, he quit the – he was, you know – running that had security I think at the Cheetah in Atlanta and he was making you know like I think you know Probably 100 grand six yeah. figures and you know he had to he had to you know take a pay cut to get into wrestling right you know and and uh, you know there's no valor like if you don't have to do that like you, you shouldn't do it just so you can go. Oh, I took a pay cut to be in wrestling. I, that's how much I love it. But yeah, you know, I mean, it's great that all I'm saying is it's great that like that's how wrestling is right now. Yeah, I, I mean, like you know, I definitely do take a pay cut, but it doesn't. I love wrestling, yeah. and it's like I, I love doing it. It makes me happy. So it's like if I'm getting paid a hundred dollars at a show at first, it's like. I'm, I would make way more than that at work, but I don't like being at work. So you love wrestling, <laughs> which uh, would. Which you love more, the wrestling or the music? Uh, I, I mean, at, before it would definitely be music, yeah. but there's no money in music. Yeah. Um, but now it's definitely like wrestling has consumed my whole life. Are you so as as the music taking uh, backseat to, to that right now? Uh, not really. I mean, my band we just uh, did like a six demo. Um, yeah. We just recorded like six demos for a new LP. Nice. So we'll still be doing that. It, it's just balancing everything. Plus, I'm having a kid in February. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Congrats, Thanks. man. Do we know yet? Uh, it's a boy, yeah. Oh, that's tremendous, Wow, man. that's really soon. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. I mean, that it's like I have a lot of stuff on my plate, but somehow I'm able to balance it all. I mean, it's my a crossover is really in your, awesome. it, Sorry, I mean, step all over your words <laughs> is there a crossover in, in, in your fans like in, in the yeah there's actually in the wrestling quite a bit of a crossover like a lot of uh, hardcore punk kids for some reason are grew up or are big wrestling fans yeah and uh, it's cool to have that I kind of like cornered that market with yeah. like one swoop it's like before that was like CM Punk yeah but now there's like someone that they know that they've seen for years that is is part of their world and can represent them properly. So, like, your your fan base, do you think they're mostly straight edge as well? Uh, or not necessarily? Not, I don't know. Is that is that even a thing for you? Nah, it doesn't okay. matter to me. Right on. I mean, I have friends that, you know, I've hung out while they do coke all night. Gotcha. <laughs> it's like, I just, it doesn't doesn't matter to me. As long as they're alive and healthy, I guess. <laughs> I've had friends that have hung out while I've done coke all night. <laughs> so we have something yeah. in common. <laughs> well, you've been a lot of places. You've wrestled a lot of people. I want to know who's somebody that you've sort of been like, oh man, like kind of starstruck about that you were in the ring with. In wrestling? Yeah. Um... I don't know. I mean, recently, I mean, that was Bob Holly, I guess. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it's like I grew up watching Bob. I grew up watching the Tough Enoughs where he was always, like, really hard on the students yeah. and, you know, being like, 
wrestling is a hard business. You got to be tough. And I was always like, yeah. And then <laughs> being in the ring with him, it was like, it was awesome. Yeah. And like the first thing he, you know, said, what do you want to do? I said, you want to give me an Alabama slam? He's like, yep. I was like, all right. <laughs> hey, did he give you a drop kick? Uh, no. Oh, man. Yeah, he didn't give me a drop kick. Oh, I'm going to tell you what. Give man. me a spear and an Alabama no slam. One, no one do a better drop kick than Bob. I mean, there might have been a few that th- threw just as good, but man, no one threw on good as Bob. I love teaming with Bob. It's also like fifty-five. Yeah, and like looks pretty damn good, right? Yeah. yeah, and like he picked me up like I was weightless, like yeah. nothing. And he's at a different place in his life too, where he doesn't. Ha- he's not carrying around that big chip on the shoulder he used to carry around. Yeah, he. I mean, he's he a was, really, really good guy. He was really awesome. Yeah, really yeah. easy to work with, and yeah, I couldn't ask for a better opponent. Speaking of opponents, a PWG comes back to the Globe Theater uh, January 18th. You're facing Jungle Boy in his debut at yep. PWG. How do you feel about this? Uh, I mean, it's almost kind of like a full circle thing. Like, almost a year from when I debuted, you know, another yeah. California kid is is debuting. And he he has all the tools I, I feel like you need to, to get over. I mean, he looks cool. He does cool stuff. Like he's he's got this like mystique about him. I feel like like he doesn't say much, but he doesn't need to. Yeah. And uh, I mean his his dad was like a is Luke Perry, so that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, so, I know <laughs> he's trying to like kind of do his thing without you know riding on that. Yeah, but everybody everybody yeah, knows everybody everyone's knows. already blown up a spot. But yeah, I, he definitely like didn't want people to know. I think at yeah. first, but then like you go to a UEW show, which was like a promotion in in uh, East LA. Yeah. And it's like this, like you know, shitty little warehouse, and you see like Luke Perry, like cheering yeah. on. Actually, Luke's stuff. coming on the show. He's just he's been really busy lately. Just, actually, I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Well, well, we've yeah. been we've been trying to track track him down. No, he, he he left me a message saying, you know, hey, just want to let you know I didn't forget about you. Okay. Yeah, Jungle yeah. Jungle Boy's really good, and I think next year he's gonna turn a lot of heads. Good. I mean, jo- Joey Janela is like he has a snack of like. Finding these people that, you know, otherwise nobody knew about, like PCO or like Marco Stunt, and just yeah. like he puts them in the right spot and then just shoots them to the moon. And I, I think he kind of used Jungle Boy as his little project in LA, and obviously something worked. Good. Good. I liked, I, and you know, I, I met him when I met you, actually, because he was kind of doing, like, I don't, you know. I, he seemed like he was kind of like a almost young boyish at uh, at this championship wrestling from Hollywood for a second. Yeah, I mean, like, I, also in the same vein, I feel like Jungle Boy has been severely underutilized yeah. within the Southern California scene. Like, yeah. I don't think even a lot of people that live here know who he is. Right. And he it's gonna it's gonna kick a lot of people. We're like, damn it, we should have used him when we could have. Hey, are we are like the the Jungle Boy? Persona is that like a work in progress or are we sticking with that? I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know. How do we get off on the Jungle Boy subject? Because he's uh, wrestling him. Oh, at okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. Yeah. I'm gonna kill him. Well, what, was yeah. like, what was it like working with PCO and being in the back yeah. as he's like, I'm gonna do a moonsault onto the ring apron? Uh, PCO is insane. He is absolutely crazy, and I'm definitely convinced he's not human. I mean, he's. Walter calls him the rubber man just because he takes these insane bumps and just jumps right back up and you yeah. he's like, Yeah, I'm fine. You're like, How? It's pretty much the same it's pretty much the same uh Carl, Pierre, however you put 
It's the same stuff as, as when I used to work with him when he was one of the Quebecers. That's I mean, what, he could still me, yeah. do the exact same shit. <laughs> yeah. Did you work with him a lot back in... A lot. <laughs> yeah, Mar- Marty Gennetti and I won the tag titles from from those guys, from Jacques and, and Pierre. Yeah. Yeah, and so we, you know, every night for a long time Jesus. we worked with those guys. And then Scott, you know, Scott and I, Scott Hall and I worked with them. Uh, yeah, PCO, I'm glad he's coming back uh, around the wrestling scene, you know, wrestling's heating up, and, um, and you know, if he can come get a piece of all this, uh, I'm, I'm really happy for that guy. He's yeah. one of the nicest humans I've ever met. Yeah, yeah. for not being human. Completely insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, real quick, I want to, um, hold on. Where is it? It's right here. All right. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. I do. Don't do it. <laughs> I did it once. <laughs> well, I got caught once. So, you could get in a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Drunk driving can have a big impact on your wallet, too. You could get arrested and incur huge legal expenses. You could possibly even lose your job. So what can you do to prevent drunk driving? Plan a safe ride home before you start drinking. Designate a sober driver or call a taxi. I call Uber or Lyft. But if you want to call a taxi, call a taxi. Uh, If someone you know has been drinking... Take their keys and arrange for them to get a sober ride home. That's not that's not usually the easiest thing. Sometimes exactly. <laughs> I mean, a fight can occur. Yeah, over trying I, to get I, those keys. It's happened. Yeah, yeah. But I, you know, uh, sometimes it's worth it. Oh yeah. Well, I think it's always, it's always worth, it. worth it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it can be a. Anyways, so we all know the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure: you're wrong if you think it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. Is that all of it? Yeah, that's I mean, it. I'm convinced. <laughs> I like that PSA. <laughs> so, hey, um, Brody, uh, to me, like of of all the like the in, independent promotions, like you're the all star of of them of guys that like I think, I think you know, like I saw you up in Devi- in Defy, yeah. You know, like you're one of their one of his favorite guys up there. Yeah, and you know, so I can't imagine it not being the same. And like, I don't get to the other promotions. Like I, you know, I a lot of the the cool promotions like you work for, they don't bring me in, <laughs> <laughs> which is unfortunate. Because yeah. I, I mean, I've seen you now, and it's just as impressive. I so. still do a little bit. Yeah, I'm kind of sick of it though. Like, I, like, because my favorite was watching you give that heel kick. And to like, that, I told him to put his hand up. <laughs> and also, like that was the same guy that didn't want to take take a bump on the first one. <laughs> <laughs> well, he got it on the second. <laughs> is, that, is that the Defy tag match? Yeah. Oh, I watched that last night. He oh, got did you? Crushed. Oh, yeah, I did. Dude with the dreads, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Or at bar wrestling when you did the uh, float over drop kick. Oh, like, the pop up yeah. over thingy. Yeah. 
smoke and mirrors. You still got it. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, is anyone? Hey, you guys want to uh, any more? Sh- Stuff you want to hit, bro? Well, I just want to know. You got to work a lot with Kevin Sullivan at PCW. And yeah. He oh, even, yeah. Like, picked you out of a seminar to be like his next protege. Yep. Talk about that. Uh, Kevin's awesome. He is. I mean, even just, you know, hanging out with him and talking about whatever is awesome, but listening to him talk about wrestling is really cool. And uh, I would always try to sit by him, like, in Gorilla and watch videos with him. Just, and not even ask questions, just hear what he had to say, like the comments that he makes on matches. And yeah. He still has, like, such a good brain for for wrestling it's crazy for sure and like he he's a guy that he never he never settles in like you know this era was the best era of wrestling nope like i watched him talk about you know a heavyweight match where two guys are killing each other and like give comments about that and then he watched like joey ryan do a dick flip and he's just like that was great like i was sure. thoroughly ent- entertained and i can understand why people like to see that and i think that's really important for veterans to and you i mean you're the the same way, like you watch wrestling, not as like a gen- like a generational thing, but as like a as a art form as a whole. It's it's you know, man, it's the attitude, and it's the when when some of us are age, you know, or it's not it's like a generational thing, yeah. Because I mean, a lot of the guys that are in my gener- wrestling generation are way older than right. me, actually. But um, but nonetheless, it's we can get like bitter and you know like there's a lot of sour grapes and like oh this shit nowadays and they're not doing it right and well and when you put your body through so much you want to believe that what you did was the best well it was the best at the time yeah you know and that's all we can and that's all we can do and you know uh you know we topped the people the generation before us and you guys have topped us and uh and that's just the way it is and and I hate seeing when some of us just have such a hard time with that shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, there are some things that, that have been lost a little bit, you know? Um, but there are some things that have been gained as well. Yeah, you know? I mean, like my or Chaos, my trainer, he always yeah. he always says, uh, he always says to, like, the kids that are debuting, he's like, you guys are so much better wrestlers than I ever was. Yeah. But, like, you know, I'm just here to kind of give you the peace of mind. Sure. Like, the... My my advice, yeah, and and I think it's true is that you know, the guys from his generation or your generation, like you guys have taught the the people that turned into trainers, like the Lance Storms and stuff. Like Lance is one of the best technical wrestlers mm-hmm. ever, and like he's teaching how he was or how he would want to be taught to this new generation. And it's like you have these guys that are like they start off as awesome wrestlers. Now they just got to figure out the psychology part. Of yeah. It. Where when you guys were breaking, it's like no one wanted to teach you guys, so yeah. you guys had to pick up stuff as you as you went. Sure. Well, guys so. used to be fairly selfish with the knowledge until you had to be in the ring with them, yeah. And then they got to smarten you up, yeah. You know, so that was the cool thing. So and it's like now the curtain is so far pulled back mm-hmm. that I think it's almost like the opposite way. Like you almost need to start teaching people, like you know, in the ring, the lessons in the ring instead of. Um, Giving them all of the tools at once. Yeah, for sure. So is that it, everyone? I think that was great. All right. I mean, hey, so over an hour. Do you have any merch? Do you have a, a an online store, web website, or anything? I have Brody? a big. I have a big cartel. It's uh, BrodyXKing.BigCartel.com and yeah. Twitter and Instagram at BrodyXKing. Yeah. Yeah. 
I appreciate you coming in today, man. I appreciate you a lot to me. Yeah. Give us some of your time. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm, I'm really, I've, Thank been, you. I've enjoyed Thank you, Jimbo. watching your journey so far. And I'm really, really looking forward to watching you continue to grow. Well, you've been one of my favorite people to Thanks, uh, interact man. with because I grew up as such a big fan of yours. So, Thanks. yeah. Thank you, everyone. Um, Brody King. Thank yeah. you so much, Brody. Brody. All right. This you, Saturday, you'll yeah. be at the Wrestling Guy store from 2 to 4, yeah. taking pictures in the Santa hat. Yeah, Come I by. think I'll wear, I'll wear the Santa hat. If you are not, <laughs> if you don't celebrate Christmas, I can take it off. <laughs> and we don't have to take the picture in front of the tree. Yeah. <laughs> Lula will be there with me, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, everyone that shows and you're up. you're going to have those awesome shirts available for sale. Yeah, these shirts that everyone always asks me about, these Degeneration X NWO mashup shirts that I, you know... I rarely have. I will have them at Wrestling Guy Store and even some pins. So uh, we'll see you guys out there. Thanks again, everyone. Hey, Christy. Yeah. 83 Weeks. Talk about it. Yes, we just got picked up by the official 83 Weeks YouTube channel. And uh, Eric Bischoff is calling in weekly to give us 20 minutes of Q&A. That's every week. So make sure uh, you check us out on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts. And submit your questions using hashtag after 83 Weeks. Thank you, Sean. Cool. All right, everyone. See you right here next week. Hey, um, on Xbox One Two Three Sixteen after Buzz TV. <laughs> From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Stetek, Sean Waltman, producers Mark B. Donica, Jimbo Frank, and the entire Xbox 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube, follow XPOC on Twitter at TheRealXPOC, and email us at XPOC12360Show at gmail.com. The Westwood One Podcast Network.